Hi, this is Carl Catarata, and this is Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm your host, Will Worker, and I am so excited that you are joining me for today's episode. This season has been so incredible so far, and I'm just really excited about today's guest and what this individual will bring to the conversation. We've been talking about making this community, the Las Vegas Valley, compassionate. We've talked about our resolution and making that resolution a reality. So today we have the privilege of talking to a younger member of our community, which is still weird for me to say because I still think I'm his age, but we're talking to a younger member of our community about all the amazing things that he's doing and his vision for the future of our amazing community. Welcome to the podcast, Carl. Thank you so much, Will. I'm excited to be here and excited to share messages of hope and compassion and peace to uh, folks in the Las Vegas Valley. Yeah, your story is so incredible. And every time I talk to you, you're doing something new and different. I can't keep up, just to be frank. I cannot because you're doing so much. But everything that you do, number one, is compassionate. And of course, I love that. But also, a lot of what you're doing is really pushing the envelope forward and creating true change within our community and even the way that we just think about the things we think about. So if you could give us just high points of what you're working on right now, and then we'll dive into it. Yeah, yeah. and thank you again, Will, for allowing me to be on the podcast. I'm very honored. I know that this podcast brings together, uh, you know, like-minded, uh, like-minded and um, leaders, leaders in the Las Vegas Valley when it comes to communicating the message on what we can do better to improve our community. So I'm very grateful and I'm very blessed uh, to join you on this Sunday morning um, to just talk about what we can do to continue improving the Las Vegas Valley. Um, some items that I'm working on currently in my in my young stead as a 23 as a 23 year old um, is uh, and is and I'll go into the different projects. Uh, right now, there. Uh, right now, we are still ex- attempting to exit the coronavirus pandemic, right? With the Delta variant um, increased across the Las Vegas Valley, um, you know, we are trying to get more young people vaccinated and uh, ensuring that you know myths and misinformation are um, not a thing when it comes to uh, why young people should get a vaccination or making sure that uh, we get our communities safe. Number two, uh, what I'm currently working on is I had the opportunity. Uh, to be moved from a youth uh, commissioner to the chairman of the Nevada Commission on Mentoring. And the Nevada Commission on Mentoring is essentially this statewide commission uh, focused and honed in when it comes to mentorship standards and mentorship across the state of Nevada. So whenever you think about um, an internship program or uh, mentorship-based organization in Nevada, um, I have the opportunity to make sure that they get the resources and the uh, and the resources um, and the best advocacy available to them to making sure that their mission is successful in um, the Silver State. And I guess the third thing that I'm working on is, you know, I'm a big believer in young people, right? Um, Nevada is a small community. I know that one of my mentors, 
who is also um, a former Jameson fellow and also was on uh, the Compassion Las Vegas podcast, um, you know, mentions that, you know, there are only a hundred, a couple hundred of folks you can just put in the palm of your hand um, in regards to their names, right? Um, and they essentially help influence decisions and they also help influence making good on the promise to keep uh, Southern Nevada, um, keep Southern Nevada, right? Uh, positive, right? Positive and uh, uh, making sure that we continue to move forward in a direction that um, continues to assist the vulnerable communities, working families, and so many communities in, um, in our state. So those are the three things that I'm working on. And I know that viewers are listening in. Again, my name is Carl, or uh, I'll refer to myself as Carl with a K because it's with a K, not a C. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my background is I was born and raised in um, East Las Vegas, Nevada, um, to two immigrant um, parents. My dad um, was uh, in the military and uh, he really worked his way through uh, getting through this community. Um, and now he works at the city. My mom is a teacher in the school district and um, uh, you know, she really uh, honed in the skills for me and my younger brother uh, to ensure that we continue to fight for um, other people in our community. So I'm very grateful to be here on the podcast. And I hope I can, uh, my story um, helps inspire or um, helps guide or helps share different skills to other young folks willing to, uh, you know, step up and uh, put change out on the table uh, here in our state. So thank you. Yeah, no, I feel like we could just cut the episode there, post it, and everyone would feel much more enlightened and hopeful uh, just based on, on those tidbits of what you're doing. Because a lot of times we don't hear everything that's happening. We hear about the bad things and we, we see that so much that it's hard to understand. Like there are young people in our community that are really doing amazing things. And then to bring in the piece about the immigration, you know how polarizing that can be. But here's someone that is the child of immigrants that is working on our community as a whole to make it a better place for all of us. So just those little pieces, I think we're, we're off to a fantastic start. So I, I didn't really want to dive into COVID because we spent a whole season on that. But because it's still here, um, still unbelievably here, I do want to ask, how are you experiencing just the impact of the shutdown and now attempting to reopen safely, but all the misinformation, as you mentioned, and now it's even more polarized than ever. How is that experience for you? And also throw in how you're seeing other young people deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't have to go all in because I know we have, I know I listened to the podcast and the whole season was specifically focused on uh, COVID, right? So I, I guess I could share what I learned, right? What I really learned from the pandemic as a young uh, person, having the opportunity uh, to be able to work um, at the city of Las Vegas in uh, local municipal government, uh, who was responsible during the pandemic to ensuring that people not only got vaccinated, but businesses remained open, um, right? And also our communities we're healthy, right? We are the center of <laughs> we are the center of tourism with Clark County and um, the city of Las Vegas, and we have a responsibility, right, to tourists and to residents and locals and guests and you name it. So I guess when it comes to the pandemic, I mean, how I was how I was impacted was, um, you know, as a as a young person, this again, I think many people um, uh, 
must remember, right? That Gen Zers, <laughs> Gen Z, and the younger generation, post millennial. As a Gen Zer myself, I'm the older piece of uh, Gen Z. Um, have been dealing with different tragedies and different senses, right? And not to mention that other generations haven't. But for Gen Z, uh, we're seeing that there's a there's a continual adap adaptation and the flexibility of trying to adapt <laughs> to this, right? Um, you know, when we were and also for Gen Z, we're also self -cogn we're cognizant cognizant right now, right? We're cogn we had to uh, adapt to the different standards. Uh, that not only government, but also uh, where the country was moving in the time, not only with the, pol the uh, political divide, but also where our communities uh, were at, right? I know that during the last epidemic or pandemic, uh, we were, I mean, just to name it, we had better equipped resources under a uh, former administration. Um, I think what it was like Ebola, <laughs> it was Ebola influenza. Um, and though when it came to when it came to that, you know, Gen Zers were still uh, in school, right? We were still in school. Now that we're in college, we're making adult decisions. <laughs> like we, you know, we have to, uh, we have had to uh, adapt and uh, make adult decisions. Is, is that political divide that you mentioned, is that present in your age group? Or is that something that is really just the older generation dealing with? I think that it is the pandemic, the pandemic and, um, the switching of um, the transition of um, uh, one administration to the other um, has definitely um, brought in a sense of uh, a sense of engagement when it comes to young folks, right? You ask any young person out on the street, um, they're at least aware. They're at least aware of what, of where government is at, right? Um, you know, they are at least in tune. They're at least in tune. Um, we might not be, you know, uh, honed in on like the Fox News, the CNN, but you know, we see it on social media. It just pops up on social media or it uh, matriculates into conversations at uh, you name it, parties, grocery stores, family at the, at the uh, table, uh, where else where young people are at getting sushi, Dutch bros, um, uh, you know, in uh, post-secondary work opportunities, um, internships, trainings, um, that type of feeling, that type of culture um, is prominent, both if um, young people identify as Democrat or Republican, there is just that feeling, there is that feeling. Um, and of course, the pandemic highlighted that. I mean, that makes sense. And I, I like the way that you, you carefully crafted that. That was amazing. So where I wanna go around the vaccine effort is you're working with young people to get them vaccinated. Um, recently, a major pop star or hip hop star made a tweet around this subject, bringing in a vaccination from a country that's not even using the same vaccine we use. And it sparked some major issues. And of course, even a call from the White House. Do you see that celebrities are influencing this in a way we haven't seen in medical work before? Or, or what are you really seeing as you're helping to get young people vaccinated? I guess the main thing that I, what I advocated at the, as we are continuing on with vaccinations is, um, you know, influence is a powerful thing. Like influencing, having the opportunity to influence is a powerful thing. And, um, you know, at the city, at the city, right. At the city, um, having the influence, I mean, and I'll, I will just name it right. Uh, when it came to, uh, what during the pandemic, when it came to making sure businesses were either open <laughs> and they were, uh, abiding by certain uh, criteria or regulation to keep uh, their customers and Southern Nevada healthy, 
um, or they would be at risk of their business license <laughs> being revoked. That is influence, right? That's influence at the local level. Uh, there is also that influence at the national level. We saw at, for when it came to the White House, you know, bringing celebrities to uh, have the opportunity to spread messages um, of the vaccine process. So, you know, seeing that, I had essentially had the opportunity to work with um, local elected officials, both here in Clark County and the city of Las Vegas, to create a young uh, person uh, vaccination-based campaign. Because I was seeing that, you know, young people are only going to listen if they are influenced, right? Um, uh, when it comes when it comes to you know young toddlers on uh, iPads that we see now <laughs> walking around, or when it comes to those in K through 12 or those in college right now, um, influence is a powerful tool. Influence is a powerful tool, and um, I think that as you mentioned, there was a celebrity recently um, on the news that had uh, mentioned um, some uh, myths uh, and uh, some misinformation about the vaccine, but it just only highlights the importance of how influence. Uh, is so powerful, right? Because I would wonder um, how many folks uh, saw that from that specific celebrity and said, okay, well, this is a valid uh, thought. Uh, I'm going to utilize this when I speak to uh, family, friends, people in the community, why I probably won't wear, um, maybe people might say why I probably won't wear a mask going into a business, right? So that type of information is just dangerous. It is dangerous and it has a lot of influence. And when we, have, when we recognize and we understand that that level of influence has the power to be able to uh, create actions and decisions, that's when we really need to, uh, you know, I, what I say, you know, we just need to be practical and we also need to be compassionate when it comes to, you know, having those tough conversations, having the tough conversations. We saw that the White House gave the celebrity a phone call. <laughs> uh, we saw the White House gave the celebrity a phone call and, and actually did decide to sit down and offered to sit down with medical, uh, medical and healthcare professionals to communicate um, the research-based, uh, evidence-based uh, facts when it came to it. And that's the same thing that we need to do when it comes to um, not only young folks, but our communities in Southern Nevada. If we know that influence is a powerful tool, let us continue to utilize that influence to better our communities. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the big things that reminds me of what generation I'm actually a part of is when I talk to people your age who don't know what life is like without internet and really, you know, grew up with social media, whereas Facebook for me was a college platform. And it's like you had to have a college ID to get in or a college email. And it just was used very, very differently. And so the way that it's used to influence now is so different. And especially with now TikTok, which I didn't get when it first launched, but now I'm like a TikToker. I love it. Um, just the creativity that comes out and how you have to be so concise with your messaging. But what it allows is in a sense, uh, a democratization of influence where an election is, is typically how you gain influence in a community. Now elected officials are excuse the term, but like bowing down to celebrities in order to have them really share the influence because that's who people, particularly young people, are looking towards. I, I know that with fundraising, the story of one is more powerful than the story of many when you're trying to get people to give. And so I'm seeing this happening with people sharing those one-off anecdotes that may or may not be true with their circle 
and it carries so much more weight than the millions and millions and millions of people who have been vaccinated with no incident at all or very, very mild side effects. So it's just fascinating for me to watch just the world unfold and change and evolve with technology at the center. Correct. Yeah. And I guess to, to piggyback on that and any, anyone uh, listening into the podcast um, is, is that, yeah, social media is a very powerful tool when it comes to influence. And I, I remember when I was, um, and I guess I'll tell a story. I remember when I was a freshman in high school and I was interning for Clark County uh, when at the time um, our current governor, Governor Steve Sisolak was uh, the commission uh, chair uh, at the county. Um, and I remember when, you know, I was working there as a uh, public communications intern. And, um, you know, Clark County has a more uh, older uh, demographic of um, workforce. And I'm, you know, I identify as, young, <laughs> as a young person then. Um, when it comes to social media, we knew that, we knew that, you know, Facebook and uh, communications were powerful tools, right? But this was still when Twitter was still new, right? And now we have TikTok, right? Um, so you're completely right, is that social media can be both a blessing and a curse, right? If we use social media in a productive manner, in a productive light, uh, to uh, help influence um, good decision-making, healthy decision-making processes, um, and also good civic engagement, then we're able to build a more informed um, community, a more uh, informed, um, I would say, civilization, right? I, I believe um, Congress... Congress puts money into education for a reason, right? A more well-educated citizenry is best for the health, a healthy democracy. But we can also see the ills of social media, right? We can see the ills of, uh, we can, we, I don't even want to name all the, all the ills. I think viewers uh, know it best, right? Um, but when we, utilize, uh, when we utilize social media in a good way, if we, when we utilize social media in a good way, which is good civic engagement, good uh, research-based um, items, and also um, good um, action, making sure folks take action uh, from seeing just something on social media, then we can really get somewhere. And I think that uh, you had mentioned it, right? Um, it, when it comes to the internet, um, uh, social media is such a fast moving thing, right? I see, we see now, and I make the comparison, and I, I'll, I'll stop here. Uh, we make the comparison. We, more of my older colleagues, they, they do have trouble when it comes to, you know, saving a PDF or, um, you know, trying to operate the computer, which is fine because when they grew up, and again, this is the compassionate thing, right? When they grew up, they did not have these tools. These tools were still in the process of being built, right? Apple was uh, releasing uh, iPhone by iPhone by iPhone. When now we see babies literally on an iPad able to open the iPad, <laughs> open the iPad and then just, you know, be able to uh, interact with, with them. And when I mean babies, I mean toddlers or uh, folks in K through 12, right? So we see this um, generational divide. How can we, uh, I guess the question really is uh, when it comes to issues and uh, making sure our communities are healthy and moving in a, in a productive and forward fashion, um, how can we understand this divide to uh, better influence um, our uh, actions or decisions here in the Silver State.
Well, I think you nailed it with just the awareness that it exists and that the most productive response is compassion. I have some older employees on my team who do struggle with technology and trying to save signatures on PDFs because we went completely remote. So they didn't have access to like an office scanner and copier where they were accustomed to physically signing and scanning to send documents in. So that was a learning curve. And all of us were learning something. And I think that there's so much value in experience. And oftentimes I've always been a forward thinking individual. So, you know, cutting edge of everything. And I also was essentially raised by my great grandmother. So, I mean, I had both parents, but they worked. So she was my babysitter and I spent summers with her. But, you know, that 60 year or so age difference really taught me a great respect for, again, life experience and the wisdom that only comes with experience. A college degree can't give you life experience. And uh, not to you know say that a college degree is not valuable because it absolutely is. It's a different type of information though. So with this whole circle, I think the awareness that we are all in need of information we don't have, we all don't know what we don't know, and we can all learn from each other, I think is so critical for us. You are part of the 2020 Jameson Fellowship which for those that don't know, Compassionate Las Vegas offers a program to community leaders to really learn how to engage in collective impact in building circles of trust. And so in 2020, you were uh, one of the, the uh, members of that cohort and one of the younger members. So just tell me about that experience and what did you take away and what are you using from that in bridging some of these divides we're talking about? Yeah, and, and thank you. Thank you for bringing up the Jameson Fellowship. It was actually, it was a very, very uh, beneficial experience. And anyone listening to the podcast today, I hope that uh, you can look into um, uh, signing up or applying for the Jameson Fellowship. Or um, I'm pretty sure Will will also have my uh, social media handles. I will definitely, you, I can definitely be uh, a testimony to uh, the Jameson Fellowship. And many elected officials, um, I know that my colleagues, um, uh, uh, Councilman Knudsen, um, went through the fellowship as well right um so i think when it comes to uh, when it comes to the fellowship i know that um i was w one of the younger folks of the cohort um i had the opportunity to be in a room with uh, leaders uh nonprofit executives uh corporate executives um folks who are working in government folks who are working out in the community uh, when it comes to bettering uh, the community um and uh there were so many issues in the room uh, there were so many good issue-based um, advocacy items in the room, like folks who were um, advocating for good things like immigration, foster care. Well, that's what I mean by issues, right? Well, there uh, were issues too, so we won't skate past that, but keep going. Well, there's also, and those issues were productive though. Those issues were productive, Absolutely. right? Because because I, it, it really allowed uh, folks to to know that um, everyone's trying to do good. Everyone, everyone ha everyone's trying to do good. Everyone is, has an agenda. Um, but that agenda, when it comes to the agenda, we just need to make sure how we can collaborate on these agendas to better Southern Nevada, right? Um, I really think, as a young person, I really do think about um, the fact that everybody has their own thing that they want, right? How, what can we do to make sure folks get a little piece of what they can accomplish so that we can move the needle forward um, in creating the community that we would like, right? I know that folks in healthcare talk about how they would like Southern Nevada to be more of like Seattle, right? Or um, 
like a medical thing, medical um, uh, thing for the LGBTQ community. Folks would love uh, if, um, love if like downtown Vegas was more like West Hollywood, right? So we have these types of um, uh, potential, these potential that uh, we would, uh, you know, the community would like to see, but we're not able to get there until we, as, as I mentioned, right? We learn about each other's issues and each other's differences. And I think during the Jameson Fellowship, I was able to really see that. And I was really able to um, see that um, compassion at the end of the day. Um, if you are compassionate in your work, you get so much more. <laughs> you get, just get so much more done, right? Um, I remember I was, um, I was in the fellowship uh, during my time when I was working as a district representative for U.S. Congresswoman Susie Lee. And during, at the time, it, you know, it was a very divisive time. It was a very divisive time under uh, administration um, that did not value um, information, <laughs> did not value information. And, uh, you know, what does that mean for young folks uh, that are caught in the middle? What does that mean for our, uh, our communities uh, in the middle, right? Um, during the fellowship, I was able to reconnect with leaders that, you know, uh, their mission is to be compassionate and to give back to the community and you had mentioned that collective impact um for me i was i had the opportunity to um have a journey right uh, from working in the federal government now working at the city um seeing that uh, seeing the differences between uh, these two large entities the federal government and local city municipality um seeing I, I think the the largest thing that i've learned uh the largest thing that i've learned is that you get more done you get more done with honey than vinegar, right? Uh, yes, yes. You get you get more done uh, by being compassionate and you know being kind with one another. And I think the the city's motto is kind, committed, smart, right? Being kind to uh, residents and being kind to each other and our decision making process, committed, uh, making sure that you know times will get tough. Times will always get tough. We saw that with the two thousand eight recession, and now we're seeing this with um, with the pandemic. We are committed to our work and we're smart, right? Smart, smart not only in our decision-making skills, but smart about how we impact each other. Um, and I think that uh, when it comes to the city's motto of kind, committed, smart, um, I also think about uh, the city's line of, you know, building uh, community to make life better because we really do need to build this community if we wish to uh, move forward. And I think we have made, I think we have made uh, significant um, improvements and significant changes, even when we were, uh, in a pandemic. Yeah, and what you spark for me is my view of a good leader is one that I disagree with fairly often. And so the reason I say that is for me, a good leader is considering all impacted persons. And so my perspective, my viewpoint is based on my particular situation and position. And it's not my job as a citizen to Think about everybody else. It really is. We'll get to that in a bit. But, you know, for, for, for me, I'm just thinking like through my little lens with the information I have and a good leader is considering my situation, my neighbor's situation, person across the town and the businesses that are involved for, for us, tourists. How, how does this impact tourism and the international community? And so some decisions will have to be made that are best for the collective that I don't necessarily think are best for me. And that's just part of really growing and really learning 
how it is to function in a body. Sometimes you have to do things for your lungs, for example, that, well, your mouth or nose doesn't really like. You know, you have to take medicine that tastes bad, but it makes you better. And I, I think of that the same way with, with a good leader. They're giving us all the medicine. It might taste bad, but it, it's going to make us better. It's going to make us stronger. It's going to heal whatever's ailing us. And candidly, I think that that's hard. And I know in, in my capacity with, you know, the various organizations I'm a part of, people disagree with me and I'm learning to be okay with that. I won't say that I'm okay with it yet because my goal is really to ensure everyone is heard and feels heard, which can be very different. But I do want to make decisions that are the best for all in, involved and not just a small segment, which can be hard when there's a small segment that is incredibly vocal. And that's what I want to get to now. What is your perspective on how we can really learn to just listen? I think that you do a really, really good job of listening and translating. And so how can we be better at that as a community? Yeah, people, people do say that I... Uh... Able to translate, even translate, even if uh, sorry, it's dog. <laughs> dog. You love the dogs. That's amazing. Um, I think so. Two two things. Two. I have two favorite quotes, and my two favorite quotes that I, I've lived by, and I think I'm it's gonna live with me until um, I'm I'm lower down into my grave. <laughs> is uh, is um, number one. Common ground is uh, common ground is the work is the unfinished work that free people face. Right making sure that we find common ground on issues is a difficult challenge. And I think that, you know, whether that's in relationships, whether that's in friendships, whether that's in work, finding common ground is unfinished work. And it's a continued work that needs to be always, um, always upkeep, right? It's like, you, you know, cleaning a house. You always have to keep cleaning. You have to always have to keep cleaning. You always have to uh, keep sanitizing. You have to, you know, put the stuff in the washer, you know, wash the dishes. It's some, it's upkeep. You have, oh, you always have to keep on um, considering uh, people, other people's inputs, um, either in the workplace with family, um, with friends, because at the end of the day, as a free people, right, as in, living in a democracy, we have so many different ideas, so many different decisions, so many different perspectives, so many different uh, parts of walked life, right? Uh, that we need to consider. That's the first quote uh, that I live by. And the second quote that I live by is, even though that we can uh, disagree, uh, we can still be kind to one another. Um, and I think that that is, the, those, are, those two quotes that I operate by um, is any single time I walk into the room, any, any walk into the room, any single time that I uh, might, you know, be with somebody on, uh, you know, walking down the street um, or at the grocery store that I might disagree with. Um, if somebody, if I'm wearing a mask and someone is not wearing a mask in the store, um, having the courage and having the compassion to be like, you know, hey, where's your mask? <laughs> like, may I ask where your mask is? Like, you know, like it's clearly on the door, but also operating in that quote um, of, you know, common ground is the challenge free people face. So, this is a challenge right now. What are we going to do to fix this? Um, and oftentimes when I actually do talk to somebody in the store, which is a completely random person, they, I have had the opportunity to, you know, get them to wear, put the mask, like put a mask on as stubborn as they could be. Right. Um, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I actually, and I, this is, this is very off track. So whoever's listening to this podcast, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Um, but, uh, you know, I work with Bonsai. 
uh, bonsai uh, live for years. They live for years. They live longer than human life. And uh, bonsai, um, you know, is, is a stubborn type of plant. Um, you all, you have to literally utilize wire to um, uh, move it in a specific direction. Uh, it will free and flow. Um, and that is something that I think about when it comes to those two quotes is that, um, you know, we do have ills as humans. We all have qualities as humans, sometimes stubbornness, sometimes unwillingness, and sometimes um, uh, lived characteristics that are different than each other. So how do we uh, really hone in on how we can influence um, each other to making good and healthy decisions? And with those two quotes, um, as I had mentioned, and to answer your question, right, as we're, as we're moving forward past this pandemic, what can we do to uh, better influence each other and better uh, make sure that we are still kind to one another, even if we <laughs> genuinely disagree? And I honestly think that, you know, when it comes to arguments that I have with family, friends, or in the workplace, um, you know, I always operate with compassion and I oper always operate with kindness and fairness. I think the other day somebody called me very principled and I, I, it made me feel a little bit, uh, <laughs> it made me feel very uh, like, <laughs> like I, I need to, uh, uh, like I need to go uh, to a bookstore or something. Like, cause I'm oh, like, I need to, I need to go, I need to go to law school immediately. Um, yeah. <laughs> is a, is a, is a skill, right? Principle being principled is a skill. And, um, being kind and compassionate are skills that I would much rather uh, 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 be known for than being principled or being fair. Um, but how do you define compassion? Yeah, I would. Def I would define compassion as look. If if we're going to disagree, if we're going to disagree, and if if I might not understand your perspective, I'm not going to. I'm not going to invalidate it. Right. I I see where you're coming from, and I see that this is something that you're putting into the space of time, right? That you're putting this into the space of time. We're only on this earth for a hundred years as human beings, right? So whatever you're telling me or whatever you're acting or behaving, you know, it is, it's valid. It's, it's how, it's how you are. It's how you're operating in the space. And by that, I either, number one, I need to respect it. And number two, how am I going to operate with you? And how am I going to respectfully disagree? Or how am I going to work with you to get to a specific point, right? And I think that that is something very, um, uh, in our current politics, very void. And I think that as a young person, I think it can be very void because of the fact that, you know, everyone has their own agenda. Everyone has their own issue. And to be very practical, right, everyone wants their own thing, right? But if we start, or I, I wouldn't rather say start, if we continue on, if we continue on, with uh, making sure that we are compassionate to one another, understanding and being empathetic to each other's struggles, each other's backgrounds, uh, each, each other's challenges, right? We can, we can better ourselves to not only influence one another well, uh, but also move towards one another well. I think that um, one of the things that I um, have the opportunity to serve on is uh, the, uh, it's the No Labels Caucus. Um, it is uh, No Labels is a organization across the uh, across the United States that brings together young people uh, when it comes to a bipartisan agenda. And one of the things that is operating in that uh, in that agenda is you know listening and being compassionate <laughs> with one another. Wow. 
You see, when I say I can't keep up with you, this is why. You've given me yet another thing that you are doing that is super cool, super important. And I just really love the fact that you are really saying that compassion is believing that every person in their experience is valid and showing kindness and respect because of that. Like, that's fantastic. So this no labels group, what, what do you focus on uh, or where is that based? Tell me more about it. Yeah, no labels, uh, no labels. It's uh, so folks know that uh, there's the Problem Solvers Caucus uh, for Congress, um, which is a bipartisan group of uh, legislators in Congress that come together when it comes to issues of like infrastructure, agriculture, uh, immigration, so on and so forth. Um, uh, when it comes to issues that impact uh, everyday Americans, uh, and no labels is like the nonprofit piece to it. Um, okay. The opportunity to be uh, just a youth leader, um, a part of it. Um, while we don't meet like a lot, we only meet like once a month, it is, we still operate with compassion. And I think that more of my older colleagues in politics can understand is that, again, you get more done with honey than uh, vinegar. Uh, sometimes vinegar is, you know, vinegar is a thing that's there, right? But we can get more done with um, honey. And um, I think that I have not met um, somebody um, that I... Um, that I have disagreed with when it comes to operating from a, a form of compassion, because at the end of the day, um, what fills your cup, right? I, I think that what I've learned from the hundreds of constituent phone calls that I've had working in Congress, the hundred constituent phone calls I've had uh, at the city of Las Vegas is that um, when you are faced with, and I think folks in customer service can also know this, right? Or they already know this too, right? Is when you're faced with an angry constituent, um, asking you to pass a bill on immigration or you're faced with an angry constituent asked to uh, seal up the cracks on their street in the city or in the county, um, responding and understanding where they're coming from. You know, it's their neighborhood. It's their community. Um, it's their issue. It's their family. Um, knowing um, that, uh, responding with compassion, uh, first of all, uh, and just to be practical, uh, gets them off of the phone easily, <laughs> gets them off <laughs> so that you can continue on with your, your job. Um, and number two is uh, you're able to get that, uh, you know, you're able to get that problem fixed. So um, just being a good listener and being able to be compassionate, sorry, compassionate um, are just different uh, tools and skills that we can, we can utilize um, as we continue uh, moving forward uh, to better our state. And everyone and all the other neighboring neighbor neighboring states across. Yeah, because we're all connected. I mean, look at our water supply, right? We we're really learning how connected we are, even outside of the state. One thing that I really appreciate about you is you really are a mentor for me. And I think anyone over thirty needs an under thirty mentor. And so every time I talk, whether it's at the coffee shop or you know whatever we're doing, I learn something new, and I am able to see a different perspective because of what you share. How are you bringing that same skill set to Nevada at large through your mentoring work? Yeah, so uh, it's Sunday. Uh, last week, we actually had a um, uh, the commission on mentoring. I had the opportunity to partner up with the Gwynn Center and Nevada 95, which is a youth network of other young, pe uh, other young leaders. I, again, I, while I am a young person, I know that I cannot do this work by myself. So I need other young people <laughs> in this work with me. So that is the reason why we partnered up with Nevada 95, which is um, a youth network who are high school students um, beginning in high school and also leaving high school as well. Um, and we had the opportunity to uh, speak with state treasurer Zach Conine, 
when it came to um, where American Rescue Plan funds should go to. Um, and it also kind of uh, brought in a little bit of where the, leg- the upcoming legislature should also focus on when it comes to youth priorities. We had the opportunity uh, to speak with the Gwynn Center and the state treasurer on what things are actually possible, right? Because I also know, I also know that there um, sometimes youth voices can be, you know, um, uh, criticized and diminished sometimes. So it's important to really uh, put, uh, you know, put the issue on the table and say, look, like, you know, young people are a part of our community. Um, you know, as we can see with our uh, education system, right? What uh, specific topics do they need, and what can we actually invest in? Um, so when it came to that discussion, uh, we had the opportunity uh, to uh, talk about like post-secondary uh, training, uh, mental health for folks uh, transitioning from high school to college, uh, internship and job opportunities, um, food insecurity, um, and also housing when it comes to um, when it comes to young folks because we know that uh, we all, we know that things are getting expensive, right? Um, so when it comes to the mentorship piece, um, I know that you had mentioned that. Uh, I, I serve as a good mentor to you, and I hope I can serve uh, as a good mentor to other folks, right? Um, and through the Mentoring Commission, uh, we continue on with making sure that organizations in Southern Nevada uh, get the resources and the um, talent that they need uh, to uh, better uh, improve our community. Um, along with the mentorship landscape, um, I agree, right? Everybody needs a good mentor. Everybody needs a good mentor or have the opportunity to touch the live of the life of a mentee uh, and to um, uh, be able to share their story, right? Share their story, share their um, lived experience and share what skills, um, what skills uh, they've learned. Because at the end of the day, and maybe, I don't know if this is my third quote that I always utilize uh, when I get a little wise or I get on my little soapbox is that, you know, we're only here for a limited time. Like we're only here for a limited amount of time. You know, we only live for a hundred years we're in our positions in a, in a good democracy. We're only here in our uh, positions for a limited amount of time. So that means that we have work to do, but we have people to see, we have things to accomplish, we have things to do, and we have things to improve, right? Um, life is only so short. Um, so I think that uh, when it comes to mentorship and compassion, uh, I, I hope that I can continue to uh, be a good mentor to you and also be a good mentor to the other young folks uh, in our continued work for uh, making sure that everyone is connected to good mentorship in the state. Yeah, well, you keep getting involved and you keep staying involved, which I love. One of the things that we were working on with our fellowship, the Jameson Fellowship, is ensuring every fellow stays a fellow. Once you're a fellow, you're a fellow for life. And we also want you to be active and involved and helping to, again, mentor others through the program. So you are doing that. And I just want to say thank you for that. One other thing I want to just highlight in this moment is as much as I value experience, I also value inexperience because young people haven't been told no as much yet. They haven't failed as much yet. They haven't learned the rules necessarily yet. And so for a younger individual, more things seem possible than for someone that has been jaded by life or just, you know, life experience. So I love being able to tap into that energy and saying, no, what do you think we can actually do? Tell me what you think, because I'll worry about the details. Give me your ideas. And 
I want to see it through your eyes because they're fresh and there's an innocence of youth, of course, but there's also an imagination of youth. And so I love, love, love that and appreciate you bringing that to the conversation and to our city. My last set of questions, a little more fun, right? I want to hear what's on your playlist. Like what songs are you listening to keep you up and to inspire you? And if you had to pick one that kind of summarizes your vision for Las Vegas, what would that be? Oh, geez, I'm going to have to open up my, uh, my Spotify, <laughs> open up my Spotify. Um, so I, uh, folks know, um, and I, maybe this is because I always tweet about it or post about it. Um, I'm a big fan of Mac Miller. Uh, Mac Miller, unfortunately, passed away from us a couple of years ago. Um, I'm a big fan of Mac Miller. I'm a big fan of 21 Pilots. Um, I'm a big fan um, of Bastille. And many, maybe it's because of the fact that many of the songs that they have talk about God. They actually talk, they actually talk about God and existence. Uh, many people don't know that even if they, they rap and they, it's about pop and hip hop um, uh, or indie, right? Um, I guess the song that I would do, um, I guess, and maybe it's just an honor because of the fact that it, it has been three years since uh, Mac Miller has passed away. He's an amazing rapper. Uh, my favorite song is Cinderella. <laughs> is Cinderella. It is very uh inappropriate for uh, it is very inappropriate but uh the song is cinderella and uh one of the reasons why uh uh it is cinderella is because of the fact that um there's a line um uh, at the end of the song which talks about um love it talks about love and it talks about how love is still possible and um i think we all need uh, to experience uh, a good um good brush of love um, in our life um, and to feel loved and to be loved and to be seen by love. Um, and I think that Mac Miller's Cinderella does accomplish all of those in the three different verses that it does. Um, and I, I listen to Cinderella at least once a week, once a week, I actually yell it in my car. So if you see me, oh in the city, you see me in the city, of, uh, if in the city of vicinity um, yelling in my car, it is probably because of yelling to that song. Um, and I guess to my, older colleagues listening uh, to uh, this podcast, it is very inappropriate. So please stay <laughs> around uh, children. It is not safe for, for work. So, Got you. Well, then I won't put that as the background music for this show. We'll keep it, keep it to our, our iPods. Your fairy god person greets you and says, here's your wish. What are you wishing for? And particularly around maybe roadblocks or problems you've encountered in the city that you really like to fix? Ooh, you got deep right there. <laughs> you got deep right there. Uh, so my mentor was the late, great assemblyman Tyrone Thompson. Yeah. And I miss him every day um, because I remember every single, well, he, of course he was busy with the legislature. He was a busy man. <laughs> he was, he was, he was God's man, right? Uh, he was doing the work, uh, and um, I remember when I first started off in politics, he would uh, always bring me out to Makers and Finders. Makers and Finders is a local coffee shop in downtown Vegas. We would also meet sometimes at Vesta, uh, Vesta Coffee, which is also another uh, coffee business um, in uh, downtown Vegas, which two of the businesses, my favorite small businesses in uh, Vegas. And uh, if my fairy godparent, uh, which I think is Tyrone, because he really did impart many of the political wisdoms that I have today. Um, uh, 
I wish, I really do wish that uh, I was able to have like uh, him as a mentor. I was just able to have him as a mentor. If he was able to give me something, um, I just wish that um, he was just still here with us uh, just because of the fact that he, he was so, he was so wise. He was way beyond his years um, as, as an older mentor to me. Uh, I think that was, that would be one thing that I would wish. Yeah. There's a song way before your time, but Abraham, Martin, and John. And I often think of adding Abraham, Martin, John, and Tyrone because he really, he really was a giant in, in that respect. But there's a line in that song that says the good die young. And in his case, you know, he did leave way, way too soon, but his legacy certainly lives on through you and through the work that he was able to move forward in our city. And even just who he inspired, we don't even know yet the, the full extent of his impact. So I miss him too. And thank you for that, that fond memory of an incredible human being. Well, Carl, thank you for your time. I, I feel like this is just scratching the surface. I, there's, there's just so much to, to cover and to get into, but I hope that people follow you on your, your is it Twitter? Is that right? Uh, Twitter, social media, uh, it's Carl, uh, K-A-R-L, and last name Katarata, C-A-T-A-R-A-T-A. For those listening, uh, please don't text and drive. Uh, I, make the, I make the joke that, uh, that sometimes I do text and drive. So, uh, but please uh, try to be safe if you're listening to this on the road or on a road trip. Um, uh, thank you again, Will, for having me. Uh, and feel free to uh, follow uh, the current work that I, I like to communicate, the work that we're doing for the Mentoring Commission um, and also for getting more young people vaccinated, hopefully uh, past um, the pandemic, we, I do not have to tweet about how many more young people got vaccinated, but, but, uh, I'll be, I'll be, you know, tweet. I always tweet about things that, um, Vegas needs to continually improve in a very, you know, civil and respectful way and thoughtful way. Right. Um, so please feel free to follow me there. And I, I really do again, appreciate the time here today to, uh, communicate the message of compassion and, uh, how we can utilize compassion in, uh, the spaces of, uh, work in Southern Nevada. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Carl. And thank you, our listening and viewing audience, for your continued support and engagement with Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. We have so much more in store for you in this, our third season. I cannot believe we're in season three already, but this, our third season, just, just keep on keeping on. And as I always remind you, you are not just a drop in the ocean. No, you are the entire ocean in a drop. And what you do matters. So live compassionately. I'll see you next time.